Hey everyone, how are you all doing? Today we're going to go over 10 interesting facts about Jango Fett. The father to his clone, Boba Fett, and the template for the soldiers in the Grand Army of the Republic, Jango was considered one of the best in the galaxy. Not just as a bounty hunter, but as a mercenary and assassin too. Most beings in the galaxy knew they were screwed if they found themselves in the crosshairs of this merciless executioner. But what do we really know about him? We only got him from one movie. He was pretty cool, but Mace Windu was even more so. So I thought I'd go over some of the interesting facts about this man with the galaxy's most recognizable face, at least with the clones, that you may or may not know. Number one, his parents were murdered by Death Watch. During the Mandalorian Civil War on the planet Concord Dawn in the Mandalore system, Jango's parents were killed by Death Watch when he was just a boy. Which is interesting because Boba would lose his quote-unquote father to extreme violence at a young age too. Soon after, young Jango was taken in and raised by a man named Jaster Mareel, the leader of the true Mandalorians, a rival faction to Death Watch. When years later, Jaster Mareel was betrayed and murdered by his second-in-command, a Mandalorian named Montross. Jango Fett exposed his treason to the rest of the faction, which put Montross on the run, but also resulted in Jango becoming the new leader of the true Mandalorians. It was during this civil war that Jango's hate of the Jedi began, as the Order had sided with Death Watch, and so not only did he have to lead his people against their rival Mandalorians, but the Jedi too, who had been manipulated into taking Death Watch's side, and they were led by none other than a master named Dooku. Jango being the killing machine that he is, did manage to take out several Jedi on his own, though ultimately the war was brutal for his faction, and in the end, he was the only Mandalorian to survive. He was arrested soon after by the Jedi and sold into slavery, much to Dooku's outrage. Eventually though, he did escape and brought vengeance to Death Watch, destroying their faction. Now if some of you are confused by that because you watched Clone Wars and there was a whole storyline involving Darth Maul and the Death Watch, stay tuned. The contradiction will be explained. Number 2. He was recruited by Dooku in a video game. In the video game Star Wars Bounty Hunter, Count Dooku sends a transmission to Jango Fett and other bounty hunters, soliciting them to hunt down and eliminate the leader of a force-worshipping criminal organization called Bando Gora. Their leader was a dark Jedi named Komari Vosa, who had once been Dooku's Padawan when they both had been part of the Jedi Order. Jango took the job, and tried to stay one step ahead of the other bounty hunters who were also on the hunt. This included the traitorous Mandalorian Montross, the same one who killed Jango's mentor, Jaster Mareel. Jango went through a lot to find Vosa, including losing his ship, which required him to steal a new vessel that became the infamous Slave One. He was also able to finally avenge his mentor and kill Montross, but when he finally found the Bandogora leader, he was captured and tortured, which is what gave him his facial scar. Though eventually he was freed by the changeling, Sam Wessel, and had his final confrontation with Vosa, which he won. However, before he could decide whether to kill the critically injured Dark Jedi out from the shadows stepped Count Dooku, who force choked her to death. Dooku then explained that the entire hunt had been a test, to see who would be worthy of becoming the template for the clone army, which Jango had proven he was. With a little more convincing, Jango agreed and the rest is history. Number 3. Jango bumped his head in Episode 2 as a callback to A New Hope. On Kamino in Attack of the Clones when Obi-Wan and Jango dueled it out, 
After losing the Jedi momentarily, Jango hurried to his ship, Slave One. But as he boarded, he clumsily banged his head on the closing metal door as it lowered down on him. This wasn't a mistake left in the film, but rather George Lucas referring to a mistake that he made in Episode 4. Now, on the Death Star in the original movie, when the stormtroopers were searching for our heroes, one of them banged his head on a doorway as he walked through it. It was a funny moment, but one could theorize that even though, by the time of the first Star Wars film, the Empire had filled their stormtrooper ranks with no clones at all. Perhaps maybe a few remained behind, but generally, it was just recruits. And these recruits weren't really well trained at all. Now, the clumsy stormtrooper was related to Jango Fett, suffering from the same graceless nature when it came to walking through doors. Number four. Jango's armor was supposed to look more like the clone troopers. Jango's blue Mandalorian armor, or silverish blue, was originally intended to be white like the clones. It was only much later in the development that Lucas decided to make it blue. Interestingly enough, Boba Fett's original concept armor was also entirely white. It was eventually changed to green that we all recognize today because the color would place him in the visual spectrum somewhere between the white stormtrooper armor and Darth Vader's all-black suit to make the character stand apart and to convey his morally gray standing. The white armor was abandoned for both characters in the end. For Jango, that was probably a wise decision too, as it would be difficult to spot the bounty hunter in any scene full of his brethren in their identically white clone trooper armor. Number five. Jango Fett had a sister. Arla Fett was 14 years old when the Mandalorian Civil War spread to the Fett's homeworld of Concord Dawn. Arla and Jango's father offered Jaster Muriel and his true Mandalorians refuge on their farm. When Death Watch found out, they executed her parents and she lost sight of her brother who fled. The Death Watch leader, Tor Vizsla, wanted no witnesses, so Arla was to be taken care of. Now, that's not to be mistaken with Tar Vizsla. This is Tor Vizsla. But unknown to Jango, members of Death Watch decided instead to spare her and keep her as their hostage and prize. So they branded her with their logo on her back. Eventually she came to accept their cause and join them, becoming a Death Watch assassin. It was only when she was arrested a few years before the outbreak of the Clone Wars that she was forced to leave the faction and be placed in a mental institute on Coruscant as she was deemed mentally unstable. She remained there, in a cell, until around the time of Order 66, so about three years after her brother's death when a Jedi turned Mandalorian freed her and took her to Mandalore. But he wasn't able to bring enough of the dosages of medicine that she needed. Arla was suffering and insisted that she just wanted to forget everything. So the two of them came to an agreement. She would tell the Jedi Mandalorian all that she knew about Death Watch. In exchange, he would use the Force to wipe her memory of the trauma that she had experienced in her tragic life. Number six, Mandalore's government didn't consider Jango Fett to be Mandalorian. Here it is, everyone. Let's talk about it. Millennia of conquest and war against the Jedi and the Republic. To civil war between clans, Mandalorians had earned their notorious reputation through blood and glory. Their armor became a symbol of fear and dread, yet also respect. Though the design of the armor had gone through some variations through their long history, it was always recognizable with its iconic features as Mandalorian. It was the armor that Jango Fett wore, clearly signaling his lineage as Mandalorian. However, because of their hostile nature, many of the infamous warriors had been wiped out and their homeworld of Mandalore's surface had become completely inhospitable. So. 
the government of what remained to the Mandalorians tried to distance themselves from this bloody history. Therefore, they did not want any association with Jango, who was the very personification of their militant past. So, he was disavowed, called a pretender who must have stolen his armor or found it somewhere. The origin of Jango's armor still remains unclear. It was made out of Durasteel and not Beskar, which at least most Mandalorian armor was. It wasn't just Mandalore's government that claimed Jango wasn't a true Mandalorian. Someone also named George Lucas agreed with them. Which brings us to the next fact. Number 7. George Lucas says Jango Fett is not Mandalorian. Remember how earlier I said that I would address the Death Watch contradiction? Well, Dave Filoni, the Clone Wars creator and one of the showrunners of The Mandalorian, commented once that according to George Lucas, neither Jango nor Boba were actually true Mandalorians. This was a huge surprise, as in the original Legends Expanded Universe, there had been created so much material detailing Jango's backstory, some of which you've listened to in this video, all of which clearly showed that he had been a Mandalorian soldier. But George Lucas decided to scratch all of that when he had Filoni make the Prime Minister of Mandalore and a member of the new Mandalorians, a man named Almec, tell Obi-Wan Kenobi when the Jedi Master brought up the bounty hunter's name in conversation, quote, Jango Fett was a common bounty hunter. How he acquired that armor is beyond me. So Jango Fett, for reasons that are as of now unknown and only known to George Lucas, he's no longer a Mandalorian. And so his adventure with Death Watch probably never happened, but I'm still waiting for more clarification and confirmation in the Mandalorian show for that, hopefully. Or maybe a Boba Fett spin-off show. Number eight, his jetpack was the death of him. Now, as we saw in Mando season two, episode one, it kind of seems like his jetpack is a little bit faulty. When you hit the back of it, he just goes flying. And it made the same noise as Boba's did when Din hit Cobb Vanth, who was wearing Boba's jetpack, it made the exact same noise that Boba's did when it malfunctioned, leading to his quote-unquote death. Now, during the Battle of Genosis, in the chaos and confusion of war, Jango Fett went out unceremoniously similar to his son's presumed fate on Tatooine. Mace Windu momentarily lost his lightsaber in the arena when he tried to avoid a large, rampaging creature called Arik. Seeing an opportunity to eliminate the Jedi Master, Jango decided to confront Mace, but just as he did, the creature turned towards the bounty hunter and trampled him, eliminating his window of opportunity. Though he managed to kill the Reek, it was too late. Mace had his lightsaber back and charged at him, too quickly for Jango to adapt and within moments, his head was separated from his body. But moments before the fatal swing, Jango had tried to activate his jetpack, but it didn't fire, as you can actually see in the film. You can actually see sparks flying off the jetpack when the reek trampled him. It was damaged, and so he was unable to fly away, right when he needed it the most. So, Mace got him. I kind of wonder how things would have changed if Jango had survived the Battle of Genosis, or one step further, if he had actually shot Mace when Mace didn't have his lightsaber. So in a way, the Reek kinda saved Mace's life. Do you think Mace would have stopped the blaster bolt in midair? Maybe it's time for another fanfiction. Number 9. Jango's death affected the Kamino clones. As the great bounty hunter was the template for the Grand Army of the Republic, his death caused issues with maintaining DNA stability in the clones. When five troopers had difficulty completing their training in the Clone Wars episode Clone Cadets, the Prime Minister of Kamino, Lama Su, 
addresses the problem with the clone troopers' drill instructors. There had been a growing number of bad batches of new clones that couldn't perform well enough to be accepted into the army. Instead, they were relegated to become maintenance workers and janitors. This was because they no longer had access to the original Django, and so they had to stretch his DNA to produce more clones. Though most came out as they were supposed to, there would be at times some batches that were deficient, and as time went by, and the DNA was stretched more and more, the Kuminoans would not be able to maintain a clone army made out of Django's template, at least. This was one of the reasons the Empire eventually stopped the clone program and began to recruit non-clones into their army, at least one of the answers in Legends. Finally, number 10. The actor who played Django Fett had no idea who the bounty hunter was. Timur Morrison, the actor who played Django and every clone character in the films, had no idea who the bounty hunter character actually was, not even Boba Fett. His audition for the role was also unusual. He received a letter asking him to meet the casting director for the new Star Wars film. By a strange coincidence, the audition location was in the same hotel where he was staying at. So, when it came time to go see them, Morrison just had to take the elevator up one floor. There was also a video camera on him, which is normal for casting auditions, but the Lucas representative just wanted a nice chat with Morrison. She didn't want him to read any dialogue or do any performance. Morrison just sat down and talked about the things that he likes, where he was from, his family, and that was it. It was filmed, and that is the video George Lucas would then watch later when he made his casting choices. When he got the role, Morrison naturally felt fantastic, but had to immediately brush up on all things Fett related. As he said in his own words, I didn't know who the hell Django Fett was. People were like, yeah, you're Django Fett. And I was like, who the hell's Django Fett? And I'm gonna leave it at that there. Who the hell is Django Fett? Because even before Disney purchased Lucasfilm and made the extended universe into legends or you know whatever not existent, George Lucas had already made Django Fett's elaborate backstory non-canon. All we can really be certain about the father of Boba Fett is what we saw in the prequels. But with the Mandalorian, who knows what stuff is going to be added in there about Django and Boba. Hope you guys enjoyed this video. Let me know what your favorite part was and if there's something that I left out. Have an awesome rest of your day, find me on social media, and I'll see you in the next video. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always.